This is Workers' Comp Matters, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, the only legal talk network program that focuses entirely on the people and the law in workers' compensation cases. Nationally recognized trial attorney, expert, and author, Alan S. Pierce is a leader committed to making a difference when workers' comp matters. This is Alan Pierce, and I welcome you to Legal Talk Network and our show, Workers' Comp Matters. I'm an attorney specializing in workers' compensation cases and have an office in Salem, Massachusetts. But today's show is a bit different from our previous shows here on the Legal Talk Network. Today we are coming to you from Naples, Florida, in the midwinter meeting of the American Bar Association section of Labor and Employment Laws Workers' Compensation Committee. Uh, today's topics will focus on uh, two or three items. Uh, one is the newly established College of Workers' Compensation Lawyers, as well as important developments nationally which may impact on the practice of workers' compensation law in every jurisdiction. We have two guests today. Uh, the first uh, whom I will introduce is James Ryder. Jim is a defense attorney handling workers' comp matters. He comes to us from the law firm of Charfus, Ryder, Patterson, Peterson, rather, Jones, Dorla, and Ebert from Farmington Hills, Michigan. And we'll be chatting with Jim in a minute about the College of Workers' Compensation Lawyers. And following Jim, we'll be talking to Herbie Levin. And Herbie comes to us from the law offices of Herbie P. Levin in Dallas, Texas, and he also is licensed and practices in the state of Illinois. Herbie will be talking to us about a couple of emerging issues of a great deal of interest. Medicare set-aside problem and potential uh, goals of legislative reform to make the impact of uh, Medicare set-aside requirements in settlement of workers' comp cases a much easier process for all concerned. We'll also be talking about uh, workers' compensation or other uh, remedies with respect to volunteers who have to cross state lines in uh, emergency situations to it, the uh, recent devastation in Louisiana and Mississippi and Hurricane Katrina and how that impacts on injuries or losses suffered by volunteers who come into states to assist in catastrophic uh, losses. But I'm going to first turn to uh, Jim Ryder. And Jim, I want to welcome you to Workers' Comp Matters. Thank you. And uh, tell us a little bit about your role in um, the ABA and the establishment of the College of Workers' Compensation Lawyers. Well, actually, there are two different things. My role in the ABA is a member of the Council of the Section of Labor and Employment Law. Uh, and I guess as a member of the Council about three or four years ago, uh, I was inducted into the College of Labor and Employment Lawyers, uh, which was uh, quite an honor. Uh, to be inducted into that uh, college as a fellow. Uh, over the last several years, as I go to the various induction dinners of the college, I realized that I was one of the very few workers' compensation lawyers uh, to be so honored as a fellow. And uh, I felt there were two different approaches that could be taken, either talk to the uh, Board of Governors of that college uh, to honor workers' compensation lawyers on a more regular basis, or to uh, gather a group of uh, distinguished lawyers together and try to get our own college started and elected to do the latter. And uh, that, that is my involvement with the starting up of the college. And, in fact, uh, the induction for the first class of fellows will be at this midwinter convention. And um, 
how many have been selected and what are the criteria? Well, there have been uh, 38 uh, lawyers from across the country selected to be inducted as fellows. There are an additional uh, 10 were selected by the nominating committee. However, uh, due to various reasons, usually scheduling, uh, they have uh, deferred induction until the 2008 meeting. Uh, we decided uh, when the group was put together, we asked the chair of the Workers' Compensation Committee from the Tort Trial and Insurance Practice Section and the chair of the Workers' Compensation Committee from the Labor and Employment Law Section to each select five attorneys uh, that were involved in, in their committee to be part of a 10-member uh, ad hoc committee to put together rules, regulations for the college, and then to create a nominating committee to nominate the first uh, uh, group of, of nom uh, first group of, um, of fellows to be uh, inducted. Uh, as a result of that, we, we did receive uh, financial support from both sections, from both the TIP section and the Labor and Employment Law section. It was decided that the induction dinner would be done on an annual basis. The first year it is being done in connection with a committee meeting uh, of the Labor and Employment Law section, and next year's induction dinner will be in February uh, 2008, and that will be in connection with a, pro a program being put on by the Tort Trial and Insurance Practices Section Workers' Compensation Committee. Uh, to become a, a fellow, uh, the college uh, was established to honor attorneys who have distinguished themselves in their practice in the field of workers' compensation. Uh, there are a number of criteria uh, that uh, we put together uh, to, uh, in order to establish those that would qualify, uh, included such things as they had to be in the practice of workers' compensation for 20 years or longer. Uh, they would be from the plaintiff side, the defendants or management side. They would be judges, uh, educators, uh, those who are in various agencies in the state, uh, and these would be people that uh, had uh, been a model of professionalism uh, in their uh, practice. Uh, they would uh, have earned the respect of the uh, bench uh, opposing counsel in the community. Uh, they would hopefully uh, display civility in the uh, adversarial relationship uh, and demonstrate uh, an active interest in uh, resolving issues and also uh, an active interest in uh, furthering their profession of workers' compensation uh, by being involved in state, local, or national bar associations, by lecturing, by writing on the topic. And, um, Jim, I want to thank you for all you've done in, in helping to establish the National College or the College of uh, Workers' Compensation Lawyers on a national level through the auspices of the ABA and the two uh, key sections, the Labor and Employment a law section as well as the tort and insurance practice section, which uh, work together quite well in recognizing the contributions that uh, workers' compensation lawyers make to the practice of law and the bar in general. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we're going to speak with Herbie Levin and uh, talk about some of the other issues that have come up during this year's midwinter conference here in Naples, Florida. We'll be right back.
Want to know more about Legal Talk Network host and attorney Alan S. Pierce? He's nationally known for his expertise in workers' comp and the law. Appointed by two governors to the State Workers' Compensation Advisory Council on the editorial board of the Journal of Workers' Compensation, leading lawyers across the country with a commitment beyond passion. Find out more about Attorney Pierce on the Legal Talk Network website under About Us. We'll be right back on the Legal Talk Network with more from our host, Attorney Alan S. Pierce, and his guest on Workers' Comp Matters, where we focus on the people and legal issues in Workers' Comp cases. You can listen to Workers' Comp Matters anytime on your computer or download the show to listen later. We invite you to join as a member to Legal Talk Network so you can get updates on our upcoming internet radio shows. Welcome back to Workers' Comp Matters here on the Legal Talk Network. I am Alan Pierce, and I am joined now by attorney Hervey Levin, who comes to us from Dallas, Texas, and Chicago in the state of Illinois. Hervey is an active member of the American Bar Association's Labor and Employment Law Section and Committee on Workers' Compensation. And I understand, Hervey, you are the first president of the newly established College of Workers' Compensation Lawyers. Welcome and congratulations. Thank you very much, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, the conference uh, here in Naples uh, has been very instructive and interesting in two areas that have caught my interest uh, are the areas dealing with the issue of um, setting aside monies in workers' comp settlements to satisfy the provisions of uh, Medicare and the Center for Medicare and Medicaid um, um, CMS. And could you tell us what the, what the problem is and how the ABA and the Workers' Comp Committee uh, is attempting to address it? Well, Alan, the the issue uh, was a uh, significant one for the Workers' Comp Committee and the community. Uh, and so the tort trial insurance practice section, which I represented in the House of Delegates of ABA, developed a proposal for ABA policy to seek congressional legislation to uh, address the problems. Those problems fundamentally come from the fact that Social Security it, and Medicare really don't know anything about medic, uh, about workers' compensation. And any time you try and discuss it with them, their eyes glaze over. Uh, they had some internal memorandums. They, they put up some frequently asked questions on their website, and they expect that to uh, facilitate the, the resolution and settlement of a program that disperses $55 billion a year as of the year 2003, that you have 125 million workers uh, in this program across the country, and uh, and it depends upon settlements to move swiftly and to compensate people on a fair and reasonable basis as quickly as they can. Uh, along comes Social Security, with the understanding that while they are secondary. And workers' comp is supposed to be primary, and it's appropriate uh, for for Medicare to preserve Medicare dollars. The method they used was completely inappropriate. They asked for the parties to settlements 
to follow rules that were not clear, to, to have uh, uh, participation in the system that was not subject to rulemaking so that all the parties could sit down with Social Security and tell them why certain things would work and would not work. And there were no clear navigational points. And Social Security did not create sufficient uh, mechanisms with sufficient resources to address the workloads that they were creating. And what they took is they tried to turn the system, the workers' comp system, inside and out. It became so bad that in Illinois the governor uh, wrote a letter to the Social Security Administration in October complaining and, and, and requesting that they, they bring uh, into play enough resources so that the six to 12 months of delay in, in approving settlements could be reduced. And he went to the extraordinary step of, of instructing his adjudicators uh, to, to, to facilitate settlement delays of up to 12 months on their dockets, which is unheard of, which means there are people paying money that they shouldn't pay. There are people not receiving money that they shouldn't receive, that, that they should receive, in other words. And uh, the system uh, was burdened with enormous uh, transaction costs. And we've noticed even in Massachusetts, which has not really been burdened by these provisions because in our lump sum settlement practice, we have, for the most part, open-ended medicals, which eliminates the need in many cases for Medicaid uh, or Medicare set-asides or consideration of Medicare payments in the future. Uh, but even in Massachusetts and in other jurisdictions uh, where is, there is either open medical or the parties, insurers, and the adjudicators not really paying attention to this, the spotlight has now been focused on, on uh, these states with the policy memos that have come out of Medicare. Uh, right now, as you mentioned in your uh, first response, it can take 6 to 12 months to get a determination by Medicare whether it would approve an agreement that's embodied in a lump sum settlement. Tell us about some of the uh, key elements that are under consideration to be proposed legislatively to address this and other issues. Well, last year, uh, the uh, bill that was filed uh, in response to the request of uh, a, a very uh, unusual collaboration of groups coming together uh, from all points of the, of, of the process, both plaintiff and defendant and corporate and uh, self-insured insurance uh, and, and the, the American Bar Association came together and, and requested that Congress uh, a draft a bill and, and pass a bill that would give good guidelines, that would create safe harbors, that would limit the requirements to, to settlements which were above a certain amount, would give some sense of protection to the settlements that have already been made and closed many, many years ago, billions and billions and billions of dollars, which overhang the, the, the whole system, and, and would to uh, try and reduce the burden of transaction costs, which require a claimant and the carrier and the, the attorneys to go out and essentially do a day in the life of the claimant so that they could look forward uh, in time, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, determine what kind of injuries and health conditions will burden this claimant and what might be required by Medicare to otherwise pay for in the absence of workers' comp dollars. This is extremely expensive. You have to have a doctor do that. You have to have an economist participate. And there was no limitations uh, uh, to the amount in question. And the, 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 the result was that uh, the heavy hand of Medicare uh, could 
charged the insurance carrier who failed to do this two times the amount of the money. That's a heavy penalty. And every person who received a dollar out of a settlement, the, every attorney and every party could be asked to uh, disgorge that amount and repay Medicare. And the claimants might find themselves being cut off from Medicare and asked to prove that every single cent of their settlement was spent on Medicare-eligible uh, medical fees before they could be reinstated to Medicare, which means if you don't tell them how much is supposed to be for medical, the percentage, they'll take 100%. What, what can our listeners, practitioners, or other users of the system do to become active or to stay knowledgeable about any future legislation that may be filed and uh, pursued in Congress? Well, the, the present intent is uh, uh, to refile. Uh, there is a sponsor, but I'm not at the moment uh, at liberty to discuss which congressmen or congressmen and women are, are about to do that, but they're looking for co-sponsors that basically will participate in that, uh, that process. The, the key thing for people anywhere in this country is to give their uh, members of Congress and their senators the heads up on the problems that are being caused. Most legislators, including everybody in Congress, uh, have a problem. Their eyes will glaze over within 30 seconds the moment you talk about workers' comp. It is an area which is not well understood by a legislator, and they don't have a sense of, of grassroots problems. And so to create that understanding is the most important thing that anyone out there in the United States could possibly do that understands this problem is to communicate the existence of this problem and request their congressman, their senator, to participate in, in drafting and passing the solution. The, from that point forward, the people that have come together, the, the trade associations and uh, from, from all sides, uh, can then um, uh, work to, to pass the bill. And I've noticed this is one of those rare occasions that uh, everybody that deals with workers' comp, either the claimant, plaintiff uh, bar, the defense bar, the self-insurers, the trade associations, the chambers of commerce, etc., uh, they're all understanding of the need for some type of remedial legislation to make the process work, to make it fair, and to make it equitable for everybody, including the federal government and Medicare. Let's switch gears a little bit. Well, one of the other issues that has come out of this conference has been the problem that was highlighted as a result of Hurricane Katrina, and that is the many hundreds of thousands of people who came into Louisiana, Mississippi, and the other areas that were hard hit by a natural disaster. And the uh, risk of injuries or the injuries that actually did occur to uh, um, volunteers, veterinarians, um, uh, contractors, etc. What problems has that posed and what is being done to, rec um, um, to alleviate those problems? Well, what, what some people may recognize and, and, and remember is that there, there are things called uniform state laws. What most people probably don't know is where those state law models come from. They come from a body known as the National Conference of Commissioners of Uniform State Laws, otherwise known as NACUZL. They normally perceive a, a need. They normally put together uh, panels to discuss the, the drafting, and they take several years to, to uh, come to a conclusion and, and come to a model to offer to the states for adoption. Well, in this particular case, they have moved with expedited speed to address two problems. One, can a professional, in this case a healthcare professional or a veterinarian, 
come across a state line and literally practice what they normally do as a volunteer to assist in this exigent circumstance of a natural catastrophe. And they drafted a model bill to do that. But at the same time, they did not have a handle on what happens if and when one of these volunteers gets hurt. How would they be treated? How would they be compensated? A typical works compensation scenario. So at the moment, they are wrestling with that draftmanship. They are reaching out to the ABI and to others in the community of workers' compensation and seeking uh, input. And they will be meeting March 9th and March 10th in Washington, D.C. to to conduct a further hearing on on the issue. The question is, should the host state, like Louisiana, uh, treat these um, volunteers as state employees and make them eligible for all the benefits that the state would give to an injured state employee? Should they give these workers an election to take either the host state or any other eligible workers' compensation program uh, to benefit uh, themselves for treatment and or indemnity benefits. If they get injured, do they start their, their treatment in Louisiana and stay there for the duration of the care required, or do they start there and, and then go back to their home state uh, to continue their care, and who pays for all of that? And to what extent does the, the cost of all this get uh, burdened upon the host state or the the, the state from which the uh, volunteer came, and to what degree should the federal government reimburse? These are some of the issues that they're wrestling with. And the uh, answers aren't easy, and uh, it's a work in progress. Well, I want to thank uh, Herbie for joining us today. I also want to thank our guest earlier, Jim Ryder, for joining us. Uh, this is Alan Pierce. Thank you for listening to Workers' Comp Matters. Now go out and make it a day that matters. Thanks for listening to Workers' Cop Matters today on the Legal Talk Network, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, where we try to make a difference in workers' comp legal cases for people injured at work. Be sure to listen to other Workers' Cop Matters shows on the Legal Talk Network, your only choice for legal talk. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.